In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus says, don't worry. And yet this is the one thing that we human beings are remarkably good at. It's the one thing even we're naturally good at. No one teaches us to worry or to be anxious. Fathers don't sit their children down and say, look, okay, son, I'm going to teach you how to worry. Whenever the sun goes down, just start thinking about all the worst things that could happen to you. Make sure you don't eat. Make sure you don't sleep. Uh, Make sure you don't pray. Don't think about anything else. And just keep thinking about these things over and over and over again until you pass out. That's ridiculous because that's what worry is. And that's what we naturally do. And you see what needs to be done and then you worry. And then you see the bills that you have to pay and the work that needs to be done and then you worry. And then you don't know where you're going to live or where you're going to work and so you worry. And then you panic and you worry and you get anxious and then you get that feeling, that knot in your stomach, you lose your appetite, it's harder to breathe, it consumes your thoughts, you're tense, you're on edge, you can't, you, you try to think of anything else and then you can't. And when you're worried about something, it takes over your mind so you can't really listen to what people are saying, let alone pay attention. And this worry consumes you not only in the day, but also while you sleep. I can't tell you how many anxiety dreams I've had, dreams of me forgetting to do something I was supposed to do, dreams of me suddenly being in the pulpit on a Sunday morning without a sermon to preach, or dreams of me receiving a call to another church and forgetting to respond to it for years and never letting them know. And the truth is that some of us worry very little and some of us worry very much. Some of you are anxious every single day but every single thing. And others of you only get anxious, very anxious in certain situations with certain things or certain people. We all worry to some degree or another. Some worry about money or hurricanes or our country, the church, marriage, work, children, our own bodies, what others think of us. We're all plagued with worry to some degree. We worry in our sleep. We worry when we're awake. We don't know how to stop. And then when we hear Jesus' words today, we get worried about all of this worrying. And yet in today's gospel lesson, I don't think anybody can dispute this. Jesus is teaching us that this worry, this anxiety, this feeling that we have while awake or asleep is indeed sinful. We commit sin when we are anxious. It's a violation of his first commandment. You shall have no other gods before my face. And you know this is what he's teaching because of how he begins his teaching. He says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the name of, of the God that claims all of our affections, the things that, all the things that money can buy. That you shall have no other gods, mammon or anything else. You can't do it. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't try And then Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious. So do you see the connection here between anxiety and idolatry? Between worry and mammon? If you're trying to serve two gods, then you will be anxious. And if you are anxious, then it must be because you are trying to serve two gods or more. 
Worry then is a sin. And the way Jesus is talking about it here, it's a serious sin. It's an offense to God, our Heavenly Father, who has arranged all things, who has all things in the palm of His hand. And yet, there we are, worried about this life, doubting whether He will actually take care of us, being anxious about tomorrow that we haven't seen yet. It's right about this time in the sermon when I start to get the response, at least from my own sinful flesh and probably from your own as well. Well, goodness, pastor, who doesn't worry? Who on earth can actually do this thing? Who on earth has never been anxious about anything? Jesus is asking us to do something that is completely contrary to our nature. Trying to control my anxieties, trying to control a, a cat in the bathtub. Right? It, it's just outside of my control. There's no way of holding it down. And very well, this could be true. It could be. But even if it is true, even if worry is so natural to us, then far from giving anyone an exemption from the command to worry... It gives us all the reason more to repent of our wretched condition, of our idolatry, and to plead to the Lord of mercy for his forgiveness. Some might think that this is unfair, that God holds us accountable for things we can't control, like our temper or worry. We think, look, I was trying to say, stay calm, but I just lost my temper. I wasn't trying to do it, so back off. Or, look, I wasn't even trying to worry about anything. I wasn't even thinking about it. I, I didn't even plan for it. It simply happened. So if I don't really have any volition over losing my temper or, being, uh, or, or part of being worried, how could I be held accountable for this? Why would God judge me for this? It seems like a bit of an overstatement, don't you think? So in response to this, I would ask this. Isn't the best way to know your true nature is to catch it by surprise? If you want to find out if there are mice in your attic, you don't announce that you're going to do it. You simply turn on the lights. So do you see this? If the thing that comes to us naturally without our thinking about it is anxiety, then doesn't this convince you all the more of your idolatrous heart, of the little faith you have, of the weak trust you have in God and not less? Doesn't this show you how naturally you doubt God and His promises? Doesn't this persuade you all the more that you're indeed, you're certainly indeed in a poor and miserable condition, a condition in which you can't help yourself? Doesn't it demonstrate to you that your faith isn't as strong as you thought, that indeed you don't have the heart that fears and loves and trusts God above all things? See, that's what all of this worry says about us. It says that our faith in God is weak. And whenever we worry about not having is the thing we fear losing, the thing we love and the thing we trust in the most. Whatever we worry about is the thing our hearts cling to as God. All this worry shows us is that our hearts are weak and frail, that our faith is so little. Being anxious about your life, your food, or even being anxious about your body is indeed a sin. It shows us that we don't really think that God is in control and it shows us that we don't believe that God will provide the things we need in this life until our final day. 
And yet, what does Jesus say? What does he call you, you who worry so much in today's gospel lesson? He calls you, you of little faith. Certainly this isn't a good thing. It's not a good thing that we have little faith and that we worry. When we hear these words, we oftentimes recoil. But let me suggest this to you. This is a term of endearment from Jesus. You know this because he's not giving harsh words, but loving words, words of comfort and assurance. He's not despising you or condemning you. He's not tearing you down. He's not saying that you're faithless or that you're unfaithful or that you're completely an unbeliever if you worry. He's saying, yes, you do have faith, even though that faith may be little and weak and riddled with worry. He acknowledges that weak faith is still faith. So we should never be proud of weak faith or make excuses for our worry and dismiss it as if it's no big deal, just as we wouldn't with any other sin. But we should also not fall into despair because of it. We should also aspire to have strong faith in Christ, faith that trusts Him through all things, faith that knows that He's going to provide everything we need in this body and life until the day He calls us home, where when He calls us home, we won't need any more of these things. We should all pray to God that He strengthens our faith with His Word and in the Lord's Supper. But until that day... Until he gives you an unshakable faith, one that clings to his every word, you continue repenting of your weakness and your doubts and your worries. And you should remember that even if your faith is weak, Christ will not reject you or despise you because of it. Faith doesn't receive the benefit of Christ because it's strong. Faith receives the benefit because it's faith in Christ, because he is strong. So even if our faith wavers, God's word won't. So think of it this way. Imagine that you're walking across a frozen lake. And now, what if I tell you that that frozen lake is strong enough to hold you? And some of you might just run sprinting across, skating across without any worries. And yet others of you might doubt and take little baby steps, worried uh, out of your minds that the ice is going to break and collapse under you and you're going to drown in the ice-cold water and no one's ever going to find you again. Right? And that's going to be playing in your head over and over and over again. Some of you might freak out at every single crack, every single, the, the, uh, the, the way the light bounces off of the ice, every single noise the ice makes, thinking that you're dead with every step you take, and yet you both make it safely to the other side. Now, worrying didn't make the ice stronger, did it? And breaking down and crying didn't weaken the ice, Right? Either the ice holds you or it doesn't. But no amount of anxiety is going to make it stronger. No amount of worry is going to make the ice weaker. And this is how it is with God's word. God's word is strong and true. He said he will provide for all of your needs. That's a fact. He will give you food and drink and clothing and daily bread until you die. Now, you can either live your life believing that strongly and skate across this life without a care, a worry in the world, knowing that God has got you. Or you can tiptoe and screaming at every creak and crack and looking down at your feet the entire time. No matter what you do, God's word remains true, whether you worry much or little. And this is what Jesus is teaching us today. Don't worry. Jesus has you. 
he still considers himself your father. And he still considers you his baptized child, even if you're anxious and filled with worry. Your worry doesn't make God's promise less true. Your faith doesn't make his word more true. His word is the object of your faith. So when Jesus speaks these words here today, he's teaching you to rely on him more than you do on anything else. When you hear these words, just imagine Jesus grabbing you by the shoulders, looking you in the eye and saying, smiling, look, don't worry. Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. This life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Imagine that. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They can't even get up and move from their spot. And yet, I tell you, Solomon, in all of his glory, was not decked out like one of these. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? So don't be anxious saying, what will we eat or drink or wear? The unbelievers seek after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God considers you more valuable than the birds. You are worth more than the flowers of the field. Both go to sleep and wake up not knowing where they're going to get their food the next day. And yet birds don't worry. Flowers aren't anxious. Yet you're more valuable than they are. And yet you worry. You worry that God will forget you. He'll forget to give you what you need. Do you think he won't take care of you? Do you think that the very God who for us men, for our salvation, came down from heaven and was made man is going to look away from you or forget you? Do you think the one who drained the blood from his veins isn't going to think about you? Do you think that Christ who hungered and thirsted pain and the wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to is simply going to forget to take care of you one day? Do you think that the God who carried the cross for your eternal salvation is going to drop the ball when it comes to giving you daily bread? The same God who opened his hands to be nailed to a cross is the same God who opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The same God who had bursted capillaries and sweat drops of blood simply at the thought of the wrath he would endure for you is the same God who tells you not to worry about a thing. The same God who promised you eternal life is the same God who tells you not to worry about this life or the next. He tells you to focus your heart on something else. He tells you to set your eyes on things above. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The righteousness he so lovingly gives you. And everything else shall be added to you. So how do you seek that kingdom and righteousness? You listen to God's word and you believe it. And then whenever you worry, you pray. Because prayer is the weapon you have against your worry. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says this with so much emphasis in four different ways. By prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because when you pray about a matter that is causing you anxiety, you're shifting the control of that matter from your temporary false God of money, medicine, success, health, or yourself, whatever it is, and you're giving it to God, the one true God. And if it's in his hands, then it's impossible to worry about these things. Because God is over and above and in total control of all things. So keep kneeling down and folding your hands and make the sign of the cross and teach your children to do the same. Whatever is worrying you, pray about it. Ask yourself, what has my attention? What is in my mind? What am I anxious about? What worries me? And however you answer that question is exactly how you should start your prayer. You can't worry and pray at the same time. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. So pray to the one who is bigger than your worry. And don't worry about your life. It's not in your hands. It's in the hands of your dear Father in heaven who takes care of you. Your life is in the hands of the one who created the heavens and the earth, in the hands of the one who still to this day and this moment opens his hand and sustains it. Your life is in the hands of the one who treasures you more than the flowers of the field and more than the birds of the air. Your life is in the hands of the one who forgives your sins, who forgives your doubt and your worry and your anxiety and stills your calm and calms your heart with the one who strengthens your weak and little faith with the flesh and with the flesh of his body and the blood of his veins. Your life is in the hands of the one whose hands were pierced for you, whose life was given for you, whose blood was shed for you. Your life is in the hands of the one who will never leave you nor forsake you, the one who knows tomorrow better than you know this moment, the one who provided for you every day until now and will continue to do so until your final day. So don't worry about a thing. And be anxious about nothing. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. Why should we then worry now? Over money, food, or sickness. Fretting makes our sorrows grow. Jesus knows our every weakness. And knows best how to arrange anything we think should change. Only let us trust in him who alone has power to save us. Who alone forgives our sin. Who alone such comfort gave us. That still then will not depart when we feel our sinful heart. Do not fear, our Savior says, everything that's necessary for our health and happiness is not in our power to carry. He who saves our souls from hell, he gives us all we need as well. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.